Hello everybody, this is Paul Miller, and you're listening to the Tuna Town Talks podcast, located in Venice, Louisiana, the fishing capital of the world. Hello everybody, it's Cap Paul Miller here. Welcome to another episode of Tuna Town Talks. Um, right now, guys, I'm out here in Dolphin Island, Alabama, and uh, I'm sitting here um, with Jay O'Brien. Say hey, say hey to everybody. Hey guys, how y'all doing? Um, so guys, just to tell you guys why why I'm here, um, Jay's doing a tournament called the uh, the Triple Tail Championship, right? That's right. And he he actually reached out to me wanting to uh, do this podcast, and I was like, at first I said, man, um, no, actually, and I think it's a bad idea. <laughs> 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 and, uh, you know, immediately he wanted to talk about it, and I did too, honestly, because I thought, you know, oh, this might be a, this might be a bad idea to have a tournament, because... I don't know. I, I guess my the the way I was thinking about it was the Cobia tournaments back, you know, with the a lot of people think that that was a big part of why we don't have as big of Cobia anymore and you don't see nearly the numbers like I just earlier this year I had uh um Miles Colley on and he's caught four over 100, you know what I mean? Like he's <laughs> that's, that's some pretty crazy numbers. <laughs> if you ever catch a 100-pound Cobia now and and a lot of people think, and myself included, that the, the tournaments probably didn't help with that. You know, you have a lot of big killfish tournaments. Um, that's kind of crazy. Well, then I told, you know, I, I was like, you know, I just don't think it's a good idea to promote these fish in this tournament and kill all these fish. And he said, well, you, you can't kill a fish in order to enter. And I was like, oh. Yeah, you forgot to tell him that the only way I could get you on the phone was to tell you, have you read the rules yet? Yeah, and I was like, man, I guess I jumped the gun. I didn't really read the rules first. I just heard tournament, and I just automatically thought, you know, kill fish. So, um, but yeah, he told me that in order, and this is right, right, in order to enter a fish into the tournament, it has to be caught and released, right? That's, that's right. So the tournament's founded on, you know, promoting a spirit of conservation. I mean, we don't want to say that you shouldn't kill any fish but mm-hmm. we want to promote a mentality of keep what you need and release the rest so we thought a good way to do that would be to have this tournament to you know give some people to some glory to chase some good cash awards and some prizes to chase to help promote that and uh, help the fishery as a whole because I've been doing this for a lot of years and the pressure has gotten unreal on them <laughs> yeah now one thing that's is still hard for me to because uh, like you're right like you know, if we could do these tournaments and promote the fishery and not take any fish um, or at least put, put the big fish back or, or whatever, maybe just promote conservation. But at the same time, growing the popularity of triple tail, um, is that necessarily a good thing? What do you think? I think if we start putting some fish back, the, the pressure and the popularity won't hurt them. Um, I don't know if we can truly ever just massacre all the triple tail because I don't know that they all migrate in during yeah. the summer. But I, I would agree with that. But I feel like, you know, they used to come in and uh, I, I feel like they come in in waves. And I feel like a wave of fish would move in. It used to last a lot longer. I'm talking weeks longer than what it does now because of the pressure. And because just, of the pressure, right. They just get knocked back so fast. Yeah. I could definitely uh, agree with that. I, I, that's the thing that's that's hard to want to promote a tournament is because you know just because you're doing something with good intentions don't mean the intentions are going to be a good outcome right that's right (laughs) and you know this is our first year so we're going to see how it goes and yeah you know i'm always one that's willing to change if if things aren't working and uh 
hopefully it, it works out like it was all yeah. drawn up in my head uh, in this <laughs> January when I was sitting around bored and trying to come up with something to do. Yeah, I, th- I think it should. I think everybody, you know, is conservationist in their own minds. We all want the the betterment of the of the resource and and uh, you know, triple tail as a whole. We want them. We want them to be around. So. That's right. We all want our kids to be able to do what we love doing yeah. and uh, their kids. So we've got to protect that resource. <clears throat> So the, talk about the the rules a little bit more and the, the structure of the tournament. How's it, how's it, yeah. Okay, we've got several categories, uh, and we kind of designed it so that there was something for everybody. Uh, we've got three main categories. The first one's longest fish. The next one is most fish caught, and the fish have to be over 18 inches because we don't want people targeting juvenile fish because they tend to get hurt uh, a lot of times because uh, they, they're so aggressive. And then the third category in the main categories is total cumulative inches of uh, fish over 18 inches caught. And those three categories will have a point system associated with them that will crown an overall grand champion. Uh, And then besides those categories, we've got an average Joe that's going to, uh, basically the winner will be closest to the average length without going over. Uh, and then we also have uh, regional slash territorial categories. We have Texas as a, as a region, Louisiana as a region, Mississippi as a region. Florida is divided into three regions, uh, being the Gulf and South Florida and the Atlantic Coast. Uh, and we're, we're contemplating adding Georgia and South Carolina and talk to some people there to see if there's enough of an angler population up there to support their own regional uh, category. And that's going to be longest fish because we realize that the fish the length. Some some places have longer fish and not as many fish. Some places have more fish. So we we felt felt like if we divided that up for the regionals, you know, that put everybody on level playing ground there. Yeah. And then the three categories, you know, going towards you know crowning an overall grand champion. You know, there there's there's different levels there. You got you got to concentrate on all three to win that the grand right. champion. Is that true that certain certain areas do have bigger fish but less fish? It, it feels like it just based on my conversations with other people really? around. Yeah, I, you know, when I was came up came up with the idea, I, I spitballed with some different captains that friends that I have, all, you know, all across these regions, and kind of got their input. But you know, like for instance, Florida, the South region, uh, you know, they don't get a lot of big fish like we get up here, but they get a lot of fish. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's you know one reason that you know we put that in. And the payouts there, we've got prizes, we've got sponsors that are donating prizes, and we also have, you know, all the money's going back to pay the anglers. And depending on the number of anglers, will depend on how many places we pay out in each uh, division and uh, the total payouts for those places. Right. And uh, how many anglers do you guys have thus far? I got to check with uh, Fishing Chaos. Is, is I don't know if you're familiar with them. They're an online platform. They, they run online tournaments. They do, they do my charter booking. Um, they do a lot of other clubs, and that they're kind of a, a go-to technology resource. I need to check with them because we're running a promotion right now. We're uh, giving away Don Gaucher out of Mississippi. He was gracious enough to donate one of his custom Calcutta pole setups, which I know you're a big fan of. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I've learned some new uses uh, for those besides Triple Tail <laughs> watching some of your videos. <laughs> and uh, anyways, he donated one of those. So anybody that registers before April 1st is going to get entered into a drawing to win that uh, Calcutta pole setup. And then there's a couple other ways to get additional entries uh, once you register that we, we emailed the people that are registered. So I need to check with those guys and see where the registration's at. But based on the phone calls I've been getting, asking questions, people, you know, trying to understand the tournament, I, th- I think we're, uh, we're, we're doing fairly good considering we're not even starting until uh, May 1st. <laughs> uh, that's, pretty, that's pretty awesome, man. Um, so you no, no idea as to how many you have so, so far, though? 
I know of at least 10 or 15 that have registered, mm-hmm. uh, or at least they've told me they've registered, but, again, I haven't pulled you the haven't numbers pulled the with numbers them. Yet. I need to get with those guys. It's on my list, actually. And how much How much does it uh, cost to get on? It's 250 if you register before uh, May 1st. The tournament starts May 1st, runs through October 31st. You can enter after the tournament starts, but the price goes up to 300, and uh, you've got to enter a full 24 hours in advance before you can capture a fish and enter it to keep okay. everybody honest. And that was another reason too for the the catch and release model. You know, trying to get people on scales and equalize scales just wasn't practical. Uh, a length tournament, especially if you're trying to promote conservation, which makes a lot of sense on a lot of levels. Yeah, all length. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, I, I could agree with that. Yeah, especially if you're doing like an online-based tournament. Exactly. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, somebody's going to say, well, their scale's more favorable <laughs> than this scale, and so that doesn't really work. It's going to it's gonna be interesting to see because, like, you know, people are getting into this because they like uh, the triple tail fish. Um, if you start seeing higher numbers of bigger fish in other areas, that's going to put more pressure on those areas, right? Because, like, Right now, there's no way to really see that data. I mean, you got like whatever triple tail fever on Facebook that that posts every, you know, random people will post in there. But like that's one of the things I could see it doing is like kind of highlighting the places that have big numbers or bigger fish. Yeah, it could do that, but I feel like social media as a whole is already doing that because people are po- when they catch a big fish, yeah. they're posting it. Oh, no, you're definitely right. And people There's figure out where they're that. from, and <laughs> you know, our area here is known for big triple tail, and you know, the sea, you know, it used to yeah, be kind Mobile of Mobile Bay is definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, it used to be a kind of a secret. Uh, there weren't many people that talked about it. I mean, when I first got into it, nobody talked about it. It was like a cult following. And How did you get into triple tail fishing? I saw one at a tournament, and I just became, you know, getting <laughs> weighed, and I became enamored with them. And I started asking questions because that's what I always do is ask yeah, questions. I wonder where that thing came from. <laughs> well, just just in, in general, learn how to fish for them and whatnot. And, and the people that yeah. knew how to fish for them, they didn't talk about it. They wouldn't answer you. They wouldn't tell yeah. you nothing. So I had to go out there and start trying to figure yeah, some people, things out. People are a little sentimental about those triple tail, man. You start messing with those things, people get mad. They do. It's it's a very controversial species, that's for sure. Yeah, it's 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 strange to me that it's like that. We're not like that with many other fish, but like that one, it's like they're secret. Yeah, they're they're, they're almost sacred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. So, um, man, uh, tell us a story. Tell us about uh, big triple tail, or they're like uh, you, you're a guide, right? You do. Yeah, I'm. I'm a guide. My fishing charter company is Irish Wake Fishing. Irish Wake Fishing out of here. I specialize in, you know, triple tail and trout and redfish, other type charters. Inshore charters, yeah, mostly. Inshore. Yeah. What kind of boat you run? Alamorada Boat Works, and they're actually, Alamorada and Stewart Boat Works, they're a, a, com, a combo company, but they're our title uh, boat sponsor for the tournament. Um, oh, okay, cool. But I run a 24-foot Alamorada Boat Works. I think you've been on one before, haven't you? Um, no, I haven't actually. I've never okay. been on one. No. I thought I saw you fishing with a buddy of mine one time down at Venice that runs one. I don't, I don't think so. Okay. I've never been on one. I've heard they're nice though. They, they are. Nice. That, that's what <laughs> sold me the first time I, I uh, got on one. I was I was looking at getting a new boat, and uh, a guy from Louisiana bought one, and he was coming back through Mobile, so they talked him into stop and give me a test ride, and it was blowing 30 out of the south that day, straight up the gut of Mobile Bay, and we launched and we went out into it and. You know, granted, it's third. Tested it, right? <laughs> well, I mean, just seeing what it could do in those kind of conditions was what yeah. sold me. I mean, granted, there's no bay boat that can handle that perfectly, but it was a lot better than what I was used to. So that's right, what right. sold sold me on that. And uh, how long you been guiding out of here? Uh, going on six years now. Six years? Oh, wow. 
It's a, it's a fair amount of time. <laughs> yeah, so I started out doing a lot of tournaments. Me and a buddy of mine, uh, Doug Tears, we, we, we fished a lot of tournaments together, and I kind of became a father late in life, and uh, I, I quickly saw as my kids were growing up that my weekend tournament fishing was going to become more and more limited, so I wanted to find a way to uh, be able to still stay on the water and already had the fishing company set up uh, for, for the tournaments. and. So it was kind of a natural progression. Uh, yeah. My commercial real estate business at the time uh, had kind of slowed down due to a client uh, pulling back. So it just gave me an opportunity to kind of diversify, and it's you know it's been a great partnership. Cool, cool. You uh, what kind of what what's what's like your most desired client? You guys get a lot of families. I used to work out here in Dolphin Island, so you guys get a lot of family vacationers and stuff. Do you get do you get a fair amount of like really diehard anglers over here? Because I know that's that's the biggest difference for me from going from here to Venice is like like Venice people are only coming to fish. Right. <laughs> here yeah. here fishing can be somewhat of an afterthought at times, you know. That's right. And and I do get a lot of families. I guess I have a good demeanor with kids. I love kids and so you know, I think some kids, man. Some kids <laughs> suck. I'll be honest. <laughs> that's, that's true. I've, I've had a, I've had some of those before on, on board, uh, but some of them, you know, they'll listen to you. They'll they'll take instruction. It's amazing yeah. how sometimes a ten year old kid can take instruction uh, better than a forty year old man. I think I think kids are either the greatest the greatest clients to have on the boat or golly i just want to get them off as quick as i can <laughs> i understand that i've had a few of those <laughs> but we get a few diehards that come down here you know more as more you know social media i think has helped people understand what kind of fishery we have here yeah. um it's kind of a you know it's kind of like triple tough there's just a little bit of a kept secret but we have a great fishery here we have a great trout. not no more <laughs> <laughs> we have a great, great trout fishery great triple tough fishery uh the red fishing's pretty good uh there's been a lot of conservation efforts on that front to help rebuild those stocks we did just have a real big uh redfish kill they're trying to figure out what happened uh, out there really so, what happened i never heard about that we don't know uh, they just some people out on the beach as he yesterday the day before start just found the tide line and it was just i mean full of thousands of bull redfish and then, really? they, then they started showing up on the eastern shore too and uh in really? the rivers over there so i've seen it happen before i don't think it happened last year but two years ago i saw the same thing happen and i don't know if it's a, a rain event changing the the chemistry of of our water real fast real quick or or what it is they're 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 looking into it but apparently the scientists need to find fish that are like struggling and not doing well to see what's going on with them once they die they're already decaying starting they, to decay and, and they can't figure it out is what i was told wow hmm. it's like lots of them like hundreds oh, thousands thousands of bull reds. yeah just i mean just for miles along the, the coast in the mouth of the bay man that's that's wild i've never i've never heard i haven't even heard of that i've, I've heard of like trout kills and stuff and redfish are usually pretty they're, they're pretty hardy so yeah, it's, they're it's, pretty it's hardy. take something that's, special if it's killing all the bull reds i mean it can only imagine what else it's killing right well there was nothing else that's what's strange is it's they weren't there it was just bull reds and and it's almost like they're you know this time of year they'll group up real big out there in the mouth of the bay and in other places and it's almost like they were just in the wrong place at the wrong time and something got them hmm. um so I hope we don't see nothing like that over in Venice. Cause well, hopefully it doesn't. things pay the bills, man. Yeah, ho hopefully it didn't do too, too, hurt them too bad, but uh, we'll see here shortly enough. Yeah, that's crazy. Do you guys, um, like you fish mostly like around Mobile Bay, Dolphin Island, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, the spring and summertime fishing uh, Mobile Bay, the Mississippi, and the Alabama waters, the Mississippi Sound around Dolphin Island. Uh, in the in the wintertime and fall, you know, we move a little bit further north up into the tributary rivers. 
uh, the fish tend to migrate up in those tributary rivers. I don't fish as much on the eastern shore, but there's a couple of rivers over there as well. But we got Dog River, Fowl River, the Mobile Tensaw Delta that's got five rivers dumping into it that fish move up into. And then on the east side, you've got uh, Fish and Magnolia River. Uh, so there, there's there's ample opportunity year round here to yeah. go fishing. Do you guys have um, quite a bit of artificial reefs and stuff? We do. Alabama, uh, the Department of Conservation, has been really proactive in uh, putting out artificial reefs and partnering with the CCA Alabama. Uh, they've done some projects together, and they've uh, so they've done a bunch of artificial reefs. They got a hatchery going now that's uh, released several brood stocks out. Uh, they just awesome. had a flounder release. Um, so they got a lot of good things. They're real proactive. They, they realize the value of the fishery, and uh, they're pretty proactive in protecting it. That's awesome. How about, like, artificial reefs for things like triple tail? Uh, we do not have that. We have, but we have a lot of structure around here. We have a lot of channel markers. There's a lot of navigational channels in Mobile Bay and the Mississippi Sound. We have a big crabbing industry, so there's a lot of crab pots uh, around. And then we get a lot of uh, floating debris from the, those five rivers that dump into the Mobile Tensaw Delta, we get a lot of floating debris that comes down uh, yeah. from there. Hell, I, I caught one off of a dead pig that was floating down the bay <laughs> one, one time. That's funny. <laughs> the um, it's one thing I was wondering is like the the uh, like the channel markers and stuff. They're like great fads. Like you catch a lot of fish on them. You catch sheephead. I've caught sheephead on them. Catch triple tail on them and stuff. I wonder if they could make them like more. Like just put more channel markers. <laughs> you know, I've thought about that, and I've tried something to like something like that because I, you know, there's not the, like we put fads out for, or we we put a lot of stuff on the bottom, especially like my dad was involved in an artificial reef program in Mississippi, and I, I believe in in Alabama as well. They focus a lot on putting things on the bottom, right? But they don't give us anything. Like they started putting the fads out, I think, in Destin, like way offshore. You right. know, they're finally like catching on to that. But I just wonder if you put like fads all around this island right here, you know what I mean? Uh, something like that would stay, like in the surf or wherever, like out there or in, inside. I just wonder like how much better you could make it if you made it easy for the triple tail or whatever it is just to sit there and, and stay and feed, you know? Right. And you need them everywhere. The fish won't always be there, but they'll be there sometime. Yeah, I've thought about talking to those guys that put out those artificial reefs about doing something like that. The, you know, there's some things to consider, though. I mean, here we have a big shrimping industry, so, you know, you, you got to keep enough water open for those guys, and so you'd have to have designated zones to where it wasn't a hazard for them. And and we're, we, we're exposed to the elements a lot here. I mean, they're, they're constantly having to redo channel markers. They're constantly playing with pylons, with uh, buoys, and different things, trying to figure out things that last longer. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, I mean, our, 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 you know, when we get some bad weather, our, our, our bay can kick up almost like the Gulf. Oh, yeah. And yeah, so it gets, it gets I think rough. there's some consideration there, you know, from a cost perspective of having to maintain and yeah. fix all that. I mean, there you, there is definitely, like, there's hurdles to be, you know, but I mean, I'm looking at all the pylons and things that are out there right now. <laughs> There's a way to do it. Oh yeah. There's enough money into fishing. That's that's the craziest thing to me is how much money we put into certain things to do with fishing. Like we put like 900 million dollars a year into stock assessments throughout the country. But I wonder how much federal funding we get for for new reefs. I bet it's not much. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you it's not. I bet you it's hardly anything. Yeah, because I mean, like, like a lot said, of the reefs around here, state funded, a lot of state funded and CCA raised funds to match, and the state matched them. I can't remember what the ratio yeah. was, but the, the state said if you raise funds, we'll match it to this, whether it was two to one, three to one, whatever. I, and, and, and I hate to sound uh, like I, I feel like you know, it's just it, 
I hate to sound like we we already do do a lot, but like whenever you're talking about things like triple tail and stuff, I mean there's there's a lot more I think we could do as far as like, you know, making making fads around some of these islands and things because I I see especially in Louisiana like I see how all that stuff works, like all the oil oil all small oil platforms and stuff, and there's just so much fish that gets on them. I mean you guys got a handful of them out right here yeah but too. nothing like y'all we have about six out there we yeah talking about and nothing like the uh, the hundreds y'all have over yeah. there yeah i mean there's yeah there's definitely tons of which i ho- hope you know i was reading something or saw something where they're taking down a lot of that hopefully yeah. y'all can figure out a way to talk them it's into crazy we're gonna it. take it all down and then we're gonna in a, in a in a while from now we might get smart and start figuring out how to put more out there <laughs> that's nuts i hate to see that you know they've taken a few few of our favorite spots near shore down mm-hmm. over here and uh it's, it's been heartbreaking Man, i've seen a spot there was a spot with you know probably 20 to 50 rigs in it and they came in in a few months time took everything out <laughs> and they basically just create a barren wasteland instead Nothing of there. leaving yeah. some habitat for the fish yeah. <laughs> i've seen them blow up a reef or a rig here and all of a sudden you know 200 red snapper pop up and it's yeah. like you know why couldn't you just cap it off and you know let let the, the structure stay and give them a place to live yep yep it's wild man i don't know uh i like you said though there is a lot of efforts that are being done for making reefs and i think it's working like look how many red snapper we have oh yeah it's crazy <laughs> i mean alabama has the largest offshore reef network in the country you know especially when you consider the, the, the oh, width a lot of, of stuff on the bottom out there <laughs> yeah especially when you consider the width of our our, our waters yeah because um, our state's you know our coastline's so narrow here mm-hmm. um but it, it really does make a huge difference and yeah. I, I wish some other states would you know catch on to that and i feel like a lot of that's targeted around red snapper too <laughs> oh 100 percent. you know and it's almost gotten to the point it used to be you could go out and catch a, a good variety but it's almost gotten to the point where there's so many snapper on those reefs it's hard to getting yeah. past anything else it's almost like we've made a lot of red snapper habitat we need to make like other types of habitat you exactly know? cobia <laughs> fads uh, yeah stuff like 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 if you triggers. like realistically if you had that many fads for cobia and stuff like if there were so many of them to where like not every boat could even hit every single one of them then it would give them more opportunity to survive right <laughs> exactly give them a place to take a break get, yeah. get a bite to eat and get yeah. refueled back up for their migration <laughs> Or you don't feel like you're in a race with the uh, the other boats going to the to the channel markers. You yeah, know? it's it's crazy here. Like you talk about races on a Saturday or Sunday, just watching people race. You from gotta pole have to pole. fast boat now. That's right. <laughs> you're not first, you're last. <laughs> yeah, it's and that and, and, and that's and, and that, that's what triple tail fishing a lot of enemies get created. It is because you're on the race to the next, the next mark or whatever, next fad, next whatever you're fishing. It's funny how territorial uh, some people get over over stuff like that. Oh yeah, definitely is, definitely is. So, uh, is there any like a particular story or anything you want to tell us about? Maybe happened this past year or anything? Yeah, I got a good a good triple tail story that happened last year. It was pretty interesting. Uh, we were getting done with a I had a combo trip, which you know I do a standard inshore to start the morning, and then we go triple tail and uh, you know middle of the day. And uh, we were coming across we came across a, a log, and I saw the fish under. I mean, it's 25 plus pound triple Big tail. Fish, huh? Yeah, just sitting upright in the in the position of ready to feed. Had two little buckfish swimming around it and. Uh, so, you know, I could tell my client was nervous. I said, look, told him where I wanted him to put it and how to bring it back to, to get it in front of him. He was so nervous, he, he, he botched the cast, went over the log, and basically 
I was trying to tell him to, to just, you know, kind of let it settle out, but he yanked it. And it, when he did, the cork pops up in the air, lands about two feet in front of the fish, makes a huge noise. I'm like, oh, great, this over, that fish is gone. And the fish just looks at the bait and, I mean, just bull rushes it. And, I mean, it, it hits so hard. He doesn't even know he's on. I'm yelling from the tower, you're on, you know, real. Hose at the hook, yeah. Yeah, real, real, real. And he still doesn't realize it. And by the time he realizes it, he starts reeling. His rod has not even loaded up, and that fish is five to ten feet off the bow of the boat. And for some reason, the fish banked a hard 90 degree. I guess it saw the boat. And when it did, uh, it, it, it banked so hard, the hook set at the same time, and there must have been a little nick in the uh, braid or whatnot, and the line snaps. Right in the braid? Yeah, and, but I'm talking, like, way down the braid. I mean, like, there's, you know, yeah. a decent amount hanging out, although we don't know at that time. Well, the fish swims back to the log, kind of hog ties itself to the log, and then we're over there. We're trying to, you know, get the fish because it's tied. We're trying to net it, but it can, it's got just enough leash that it can. So you went back over to the log and grabbed the cork? Uh, grabbed the log because it, it was log. all tangled up. It was a big log with like limbs hanging off. It was gnarly, <laughs> and so that was, we couldn't really get to the line. So we were trying to net the fish so we could, you know, get it. And anyways, it freaked out and it it, it pulled so hard it pulled the line off and it went. And we're chasing this fish for like 30 minutes, and we get to the cork a couple times. We almost get it netted a couple times. It goes down. Well, it finally starts wearing out. <laughs> and this cork all of a sudden pops up right beside the boat and starts moving down the side of the boat. And I look down. And there's a lot more line than I thought. I said, well, maybe I can... Stitch it on. Or just grab it. We could hand line it in. And I grabbed it, and I started bringing it in, started bringing it in. And, I mean, he was coming, and, I mean, she was right there. And I, I told him, I said, all right, net him, net him. And, and went a little too hard and spooked her, and she snapped. The hook actually snapped in half. I've never had a hook snap in half. I mean, this is a, a, a three-aught hook. And the hook snapped in half. Holy cow. And, uh, or no, excuse me, that was uh, the swivel. I did have a hook snap in half on a big fish this year, but that was the swivel. The, I, I use these uh, trolling sinker just so I don't have two pieces, just have a, a weight yeah. and, a, and uh, this a weight combo swivel. Uh-huh. And I it, know what you're talking about. It yeah. had worn out. I mean, it rubbed <laughs> so hard and done so much stuff that it broke right there at the boat, and we watched her swim off. And uh, that was heartbreak for my customer. Some fish aren't meant to be caught. Man. That's right. I told him. I said, that's what keeps you coming back. <laughs> man, man, that's a big fish. That's a that's a heartbreak. I've had I've had, I had several heartbreaks um, this year, that stuff like that that you just can't, can't help. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fishing. I mean, there, there's a lot of factors involved, and a lot of things can go wrong. That's what I always tell people, you know. I said, you know, Getting them to bite's one thing. I said getting them on the boats and <laughs> the hard part. <laughs> yeah, that's the hard part for sure, for sure. Well, man, um, I think I think I'm gonna try and do the tournament. Good. I was I was debating it for a while. I think I think I am. I'm gonna think about it a little bit more, but I'm pretty sure I'm gonna enter. Well, we hope we hope you'll join us. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah. I hope you know my dilemma. <laughs> it's I, I, like I want to promote it in the right way, right? I understand completely. I mean, that's why I'm doing it. Cause I yeah, yeah, I'm in the right. same boat as you, right? right? Right. I mean, it's our livelihood, so we want to protect uh, what's out there. We don't want to ruin it. Yeah. Um. So. Well, man, um, I usually ask my, my guests in closing, uh, what more do you think we can do to uh, protect the fishery or um, just maybe a couple things you think about conservation that, that my audience might like to hear? I think, you know, the biggest thing is for people like us that are involved in it on a day-to-day -day basis to be advocates and to to help educate and 
and maybe not try to cram it down somebody's throat, but maybe just try to, you know, help them see our side of, of the coin and let them come to the conclusion themselves. Because, you know, there seems to be a natural progression of anglers. You go from wanting to figure out how to catch fish, then you want to go to figure out how to catch a lot of fish, then you want to figure out how to catch all the, of them. Yeah. <laughs> then you want to figure out how to catch the big fish, and then you get to a point where you realize it's not about killing every fish you catch. But it's about you know the pursuit and, and, and the yeah. memories you make and, and those the sorts camaraderie, of camaraderie, exactly, yeah, all that kind of stuff. So I think that's all important, um, and I think if if we're all good stewards and and we you know talk about it and and you practice what we preach, then uh, it'll you know rub off and run downhill. Yeah, I hope so, man. I hope you know it's it's scary for me to think that the more people we get into, like you see so many people getting into fishing and it makes so much more pressure. But I hope. In all honesty, I hope that there's some good that comes out of more people doing it. You know, that's kind of always been the baseline for hunting conservation is we want more people doing it. Because if you have more people that love it, the more people that will do more to protect it. Exactly. And, and, and that's, I, I think that's I think that's the end goal for conservation, and I, and I hope that's the right pursuit. You know? I, I feel like, you know, the, the people that are getting into it now, I mean, I'm seeing it with my customer, charter customers. I have a lot more conservation-minded charters than I did when I first started. I mean, I, I never had anybody that wanted to put a, push, a fish back when I first started. And now I'd, I'd say, you know, probably 50% of my charters don't even want to keep fish. Uh, you know, I offer tagging uh, trips, I offer uh, a buddy of mine, Captain Wayne Davis down in Texas. He did, he did, I went fishing with him and he has an empty stringers trip, which they do a lot of waiting over there. He gave me an idea. It's like, well, I'm going to offer an empty coolers trip where if they want to just come tag and release fish, then they get entered into a drawing for, uh, you know, a prize pack at the end of the year. Um, that's a pretty good idea. Yeah, I about that. it was pretty cool. I need to do some more. I, I, every year I get like a little tag book for, for triple tail, but I need to get more into doing like tagging redfish, tag, tagging a lot. I think well, it's pretty cool. I mean, here the Dolphin Island Sea Lab does a wonderful job. I mean, they have they partner with CCA on that too, and they have tagging seminars. They teach people how to tag. If, if you go to the seminar, they'll teach you how to tag. They'll give you the kit, and we tag speckled trout, redfish, triple tail, and I think they even got some cobia tags now. Um, and then we've done some work with some people on acoustical tagging. I, I helped uh, uh, a scientist out of Mississippi last year uh, put in some satellite tags uh, for them. And then, you know, there's a lot of neat science that, that's coming about and it'll be interesting to see yeah. how it all plays out. Yeah, it, it is really cool to see how new anglers are getting into it almost through conservation. You know what I mean? Instead of getting into it with a place of trying to prove yourself and a place of trying to fill your freezer, they're getting into it because so many people that are teaching about fishing and, and, and I mean like guides like me and you we're already so into conservation that it's almost like they have to if they want to learn about fish right that's right yeah I mean because you know that's we're cool. not going to teach somebody that just wants to kill everything they catch because yeah. it's detrimental to you know the our end goal of you know preserving the fishery for everyone yeah yeah cool man well i jay i really appreciate it thanks man. for having me uh yeah. can, I, can i give a shout out we've got some people yeah. that are helping uh helping put this tournament on so i, I definitely want to shout out to them that's okay um we've got cajun custom rods their, their sponsor we've got killer dock uh which is a, a a fish cleaning table that's a, a sponsor uh we've got smith optics that's uh donated some prizes as well um we've got chandelier brewing company uh that's come on board with us as well and uh, uh, Saltwater Fanatics has come on board. They're, they're donating some prize packs. Uh, so we got a, we got some other sponsors that are in, in the wings. So we're really excited about everything this tournament's gonna offer, uh, all the anglers and the opportunities and the camaraderie. Uh, and I think it's gonna be really neat to see how you know people can come together 
with all the social media tools we have to kind of talk and you know promote like we said the overall <laughs> end goal which is to preserve a species we all love chasing yeah awesome man well i really do appreciate you uh, sitting down with me and doing this and maybe we can uh, maybe we can do it again whenever like the, the like towards the end of the tournament yeah it'd be awesome to have like a wrap up or wrap something. up or something like that yeah. we'll see and, and share we'll some data and, yeah you know <laughs> it'll it, you know might help everybody come to an understanding of what we have and how we need to preserve it yeah yeah i hope i hope that we can get some good information from, well, from uh, that's this. one cool thing about the fishing chaos platform is the, the amount of data that will be recorded that we'll be able to provide to you know the scientists that that want access to it to look at stuff you know i think that'll be really eye-opening and and, and a, a, a nice thing for them to yeah. get some measures on, on where we're at and what's happening with them yeah because the more i've talked to these uh the bo marine biologists and stuff is they don't know a whole lot about triple tails very very, very, very little. little not like like speckled trout or, or redfish really they know so much about redfish you know? yeah <laughs> i mean they, they're still trying to determine where they go when they leave yeah <laughs> and uh, that's why we did that satellite tagging last year trying to figure out and it was it, it was kind of heartbreaking because forever the fish just kind of checked up and held up offshore for a while and then it went dark and we haven't got a ping since and the the tag is it pops off automatically i think at six months so we're getting close uh if we haven't passed it already and it if and the satellite has to be perfectly overhead when the fish comes up to sun for it to get a ping so we don't know if something happened to the fish or if he was just on top when you know, it wasn't pinging, or, or when they get in the wintertime, yeah. they just stay down deeper, and they don't come up to the top where the satellite can ping. I think that's it, man. I think it's too cold. They stay, they stay deep where it's warm. I don't know. I don't know what they do. But they definitely probably go down the Caribbean to vacation to get, get away from all that pressure. They've been hassled for <laughs> so many months. <laughs> all right. Well, I appreciate it, Jay. Thanks, Thanks for coming Paul. on again, man. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please give us a follow on Facebook or Instagram at Tunatown Talks. Also, if you'd like to book a charter with me, you can do so by visiting our website at mgfishing.com. That's Mexican Gulf website, where you'll find my online booking calendar with all my open dates. And remember, guys, always be safe while out on the water. Man.